0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish.
1: Welcome everybody. Uh, Alex Clancy in studio. We have Matt Fish from the great state of Iowa on the phone. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we will talk all things NBA Finals. We'll talk the up and coming events for the NBRPA, the National Basketball Retired Players Association, which is the foundation for Rebound Radio on Voice America Radio and Voice America TV. Go to voiceamerica.tv, uh, You can check all of uh, the Rebound Channel's videos that Matt with Matt's interviews with former players, executives, etc uh a lot of great content on there so do not forget to check it out follow Matt Fish at rebound talk on Twitter follow me at Clancy's corner we will get into all the business in just a moment but Matt what is happening in the state of Iowa ah
2: uh, you know what they just got a big old uh blast of heat up here it's been beautiful And then this weekend is going to get up to around 100 with the muggy, muggy, mugginess. So I'm not looking forward to that. All that being said, though, it's good to see family. It's good to get back here and make sure that I can reconnect with cousins and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and moms and dads. So things are great here in the state of Iowa.
1: That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's uh, about 108 here. The last time we talked, I was playing golf this past Sunday. I had to cut it after 13 holes because... It was 112, so I was like, well, I don't want to die, so I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not shooting under par at this point. So it's probably time to pack it in. Yeah,
2: there's a fine line between craziness and being really crazy. Yeah,
1: that's true. So uh, <laughs> tell me uh, NBRPA, let's get right to it. NBRPA, National Basketball Retired Players Association uh, with Rebound Magazine. What's going on?
2: Yes. You know, pretty excited. We've got the Legends World Sports Conference coming up, um, July 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Mandalay Bay up in Vegas. And that's the annual meeting that we have every year where we can, uh, you know, fraternize and learn about services and products and programs there to help the transitioning athletes from the days of playing until the days after. So really excited that that's right around the corner. And I also wanted to mention one more thing. We have our junior NBA, uh, camp going on at Carl Hayden. From 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. on the 16th of June. So, next Thursday, we're going to serve a great group of kids uh, and and teach some life skills as well as some fundamentals of basketball.
1: That's awesome. And so, fundamentals will there be different stations, or how is it exactly going to be set up?
2: Exactly. There's going to be different stations, and those stations, one of them will consist of a life skills, so teaching, making good choices, and, and the like. You know, So basically telling them and sharing with them experiences of former NBA and WNBA players of how to become successful in the game of basketball and in the game of life.
1: That's awesome. NBRPA bringing the heat that's uh Feels that's good. fantastic i love
2: the program it's got it, it's been bouncing around alex and they and they just came from i believe tampa uh, uh next up i know they went to flint michigan and so it's just it's this nationwide thing but finally they've reached around and they're coming around here to phoenix arizona so we're going to make a good go of it
1: that's that's awesome and uh seems like every week there's more and more things that mandalay bay event should be awesome a uh, nice little networking event uh bring awareness and uh Tell people exactly what the NBRPA has to offer. So that's awesome.
2: Well, the Summer League is up there too. Right. So that would be cool. We'll all get to go over there and take in some of that. I tell you, that's changed over the years. Now they're actually scalping tickets. I'm like, what? To a Summer League? Okay. So that's even changed.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, well, you know, and I. that's one thing that I haven't done yet that I'd really like to do. I have friends that work for different. Uh, Different NBA organizations, and they say that it's it's a fun time and it's it's good basketball because it's not just rookies that play there anymore. It's guys that veterans that uh, not only want to build camaraderie, but uh, also in other ways want to make want to make another team and not not be out of the league.
2: Well, I can remember when I was down in LA doing a summer league for the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks brought in Dirk Nowitzki, you know, a young guy. I'm thinking, who's this guy, you know? And then he's become what he is, and some think the best foreign player ever. So it was cool to play against Dirk Nowitzki, even in just the summer leagues.
1: That's a nice segue. One team that has beat LeBron James in the finals is the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Uh, Mavericks. So, uh, (laughs) after last night, uh, Everybody, all the pundits that were writing off the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, not necessarily shaking in their boots, but uh, say they're, they're tremoring in their boots. Maybe, you know, like a .5 on the Richter scale. Uh, because the Cleveland Cavaliers whooped up on Golden State last night, 120-90. to This game was never really in doubt. Uh, Cleveland went up 30-10 to midway through the first quarter. And there are conflicting ideologies about this. One, which is the obvious one, is that Cleveland went home, they had their uh, they had their faces beaten twice in a row on the road. They had a couple of days to think about it. They had all the interviews they had to do. They saw you know and, and read all the uh, publications on TV and and, uh, and on the internet and in uh, newspaper and whatnot. And they're like enough of this. And they put all of their energy into one game. That's one ideology, and uh, the, which means that they would get you know lose the next two games and, and lose five one, which a lot of people are thinking is going to happen. The other side is that they kind of figured out a little wrinkle that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks that good coaches uh, implement, a little wrinkle yeah. in an effort to shut down Steph and also score more points than Golden State, which is what you need to do if you're going to win any basketball game. So uh, the thing with Kevin Love sitting out, I'm not a huge fan of, that, oh, that's the reason why they won. Uh, they lost by, what was it, 36 in, uh, yeah. in uh, Game 2. And then, or 33 in Game 2, and then they won by 30 uh, in Game 3. I don't really think that that, uh, Kevin Love is worth 63 points, a 63-point swing. (laughs) His plus-minus was only, I think it was in the teens, I think it was minus 15, and then they were minus 33 when he wasn't on the court in the first two games. So you can't really say that there's a direct correlation between the blowout of Game 2 and the blowout of Game 3 going opposite ways just because Kevin Love didn't play.
2: No, but, you know, and again, and we talked a little bit about it last week, I'm trying to figure out the blowouts in themselves. And I don't know if whoever, we'll and I said it last week too, get to the bottom of why these blowouts are like they are. You would think, you know, you take all season long the battle hard to see who the t- two best teams are, that these people have battled not only to find ways to come back, you know, but but, but to also weather storms, and, and I tell you, these storms are coming through like tornadoes, and it just takes the legs out, next thing you know, halfway through the fourth, you're looking at backup players, and you're like, this is a finals game, so it just kind of, I don't know, you know, why these are happening, but it sure has... Has been interesting to a certain extent. Now my interest level has been like, nah, because now they're blowouts, and I'm really looking. Okay, now how what are they going to have to do to come back from being down by 20 and 30? And it just changes the mindset of of, of a closer, tighter game, one that we haven't seen in the finals.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, the well, it it's been a a weird second round, the conference semifinals, conference finals, and now the finals. It's been weird. It's something we haven't seen in a long time. And I love stats. I mean, I love fun stats. I really don't mean a whole lot, but uh, I think I believe that was the 19th or 20th game in these here playoffs where uh, a game was decided by 25 or more points. And these are supposed to be the best teams. Take away the first round. I feel like the second round on is when all of these huge blowouts occurred, most of them. And it's, it's interesting that series are still quote-unquote close, but there's so many blowouts back and forth, and I think one of the main reasons why we're seeing this is, well, first of all, the three-point shot, because you're not going to make over 60% of your threes when you're losing. Otherwise, you won't loo- You know, you know, you don't lose. And the fact that the stars of these teams are not playing well on the road either. Now, normally, it's the bench players that waver one way or another, if you were in the home jersey or the away one. But especially in the finals. The stars from the, on the visiting side teams aren't playing well. You know, Steph Curry, say what you want, he had, a, he had a tough game last night. In Game 2, I think he had 19, but he didn't play the fourth quarter because they were up by 20 going into the fourth. So why were he at 18? So why would you play your why would you play your stud if, if you're up twenty, and then the same thing with LeBron James, his numbers were dipped in game two because he didn't play in the fourth quarter because it was such a blowout, so there's a little parity in the numbers, but when it comes down to it, the stars aren't playing well on the road, which is accounting for these huge blowouts.
2: Well, I tell you i, I you know they aren't the superstars aren't playing really all that well so I love your point where you talk about okay Steph really hasn't had you know the Curry hasn't done what he's capable of doing well interestingly enough the bench picked it up and they had a lot of different scores who scored double figures so you really didn't need the big big numbers out of your superstar Um, but again I think I touched last week on look LeBron this is it for LeBron he has to step up he's got everyone healthy This. He's at the top of his game, you know. This is his time, and I think this is going to say a lot about, you know, his ability for those who are looking for that greatest of all time label to put on LeBron. And I know some people are searching for that, but I tell you, if he doesn't come through, now you can't even start. You know, you can't even bring that up on a top topic of conversation. So it's on him. I feel that LeBron feels the weight on his shoulders, and I feel like LeBron's still going to come through. But is it going to be another blowout? You know, maybe if it's a blot, it is a blot. It'll be. So we'll see how these superstars show up, and also get the rest of their team involved. Even if you aren't a superstar or if you're a superstar and aren't scoring a lot of points, superstars get other people involved in the game. Jordan did it. You know, greatest of all time. What does he do? He gets his team into the game. Well, they're going to have to do the same with with Curry. He's got to step up and really make sure if he's not putting the huge numbers up, the rest of the team is clicking and he's getting other people involved. And I know that isn't necessarily his forte. So it's going to be interesting what this next game is going to hold. And I still feel Cleveland in seven. I'm throwing it out there. Cleveland in seven. I don't care. Cleveland in seven.
1: All right. Well, uh, if you wholeheartedly disagree with Matt Fish or me saying it's going to be Cleveland in six, though, because I'm not going to back down, call us 888-346-9144. We have a lot of subplots to discuss today. One is um, how Steph Curry made NBA history in a bad way because all it's been is good for him. What they should do with Kevin Love we'll talk about most likely in the second segment. And what they need to do with Tristan Thompson if you're Golden State in an effort to keep him off the boards because he finally showed last night that he deserved kind of the eighty million dollars that he was given in this contract, when in fact he wanted 120, which would have been an absolute joke. 14 and 13, 5 or 6 from the field, 4 for 5 from the line, no turnovers. So we'll talk about those three. But first I want to talk about Steph. And what does he need to do to get out of this funk? You see Steve Kerr midway through the game last night asking him, Are you okay? Uh-huh. It's weird. That's not really a question that you'd ever ask Steph because he's normally smiling, running around like a crazy person, dipsy-doodling through everybody, and there hasn't really been an issue all year. They've only, they only lost nine games. They lost a lot of games in the playoffs. They only lost nine games in the regular season. And I understand it's uh, more condensed in the playoffs because you're playing the same team several games in a row within a week or week and a half span. So little tendencies that you pick up on because you're playing them so many games in a row, you wouldn't necessarily pick up if you are playing them, you know, once a month, once every six weeks in the regular season because you have so many other things to deal with. But what what does Golden State need to do to get Steph out of the funk to get Clay out of his pseudo funk and get them a win in game five.
2: You know, and, and, and oftentimes you'll see coaches that will write up a play to get their big man into the game. And so when you come out of a timeout or a halftime, time reboot at the beginning of a game or first half or second half, you come out there and they have set up a play to go inside. Because why? We want to make sure that our big man is being used, that we go inside because this should be an inside-out game. But here we are now, the evolution of the sport, the bombing threes. So do we set up some plays for Curry? Can we set up some screens? Can we set up a few plays that he can just maybe the ball into his hands in the motion that he likes because he likes to catch certain sides you know and square up certain ways and take off and dribble left or right? but understand that he has those abilities to be more successful if the coach sets those plays up first and foremost. I know they're a team that plays within one another, so they key off of one another as they play. But who's to say if the coach didn't set up some specific plays to get him really get him going early and often? And that's kind of my thought: is is, is let's just make sure that he gets to touch the ball, he gets to feel the ball, but run some plays for him to take a shot or him to be a playmaker.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a good point. It's just if if you. Get if you put all of your um, emphasis on getting Steph involved right away, does that stagnate the rest of the offense? It's never really been about him getting a shot because he could always do it himself. So if you're focusing on him scoring, the other guys aren't really playmakers. And, and I'll tell you what I mean. With Draymond Green, the only reason why he had his wide-open shots in Game 1 and Game 2 is because they're double-teaming Steph. So it's not like he's he's facilitating his own wide-open shots. He's wide open, and he was knocking down wide-open shots, which is what NBA players are supposed to do. He just happened to get more wide-open ones when he was on a hot streak in Game 2 than he should have. But Steph Curry didn't do much. Now, aside from his three- or four-minute span in, in the third quarter of last night's game, he was irrelevant. So what Golden State and I agree, I mean, normally he can facilitate for himself, as I said. Normally he can you know split defenders or you know take take a, a little a phantom pick and just you know split through defenders and get to the basket or, or pull up for a little uh, little floater like he likes to do in the key. I just don't know if the defense is is not airtight like it looked like last night to be, for for him to be able to do that. He does this defense, is circa, you know, late 90s defense that we saw last night, where yeah. it's not crazy like the 70s or 80s, but it's not this fluff defense like we're seeing nowadays. It's, it's before the turn. And they played a really, really good defense last night. And Kyrie Irving impressed me. Uh, he played both sides of the ball last night. You know, he, he dropped 30 at 16 in the first quarter, put them out to that big lead, but he played really good defense on Steph Curry. And I think the one wrinkle that happened last night that killed everything for Golden State was the adjustment, the wrinkle that Teron Liu made by starting LeBron at the four. Pull Kevin Lovey, start LeBron at the floor, have him guard Draymond Green. All you have to do is put a a hand up in Draymond Green's face and keep within two feet of him, and he's not going to kill you offensively. And that was a smart way to do that. And that, with LeBron on him, doesn't allow Draymond Green to facilitate for the rest of the team, which puts no facilitators on the floor if Steph Curry's getting double-teamed. Because Clay's not going to do it, Harrison Barnes isn't going to do it, and Andrew Boga definitely isn't going to do it. So I agree with you in theory. I just don't know. And it's crazy that we're talking about this, you know, 48 hours or 72 hours after the drubbing that went on in, in Golden State on Sunday. Like the series was over and now it's like, ah, not so fast. Who's <laughs> really the best team in this series? And I, I've never believed before that home field has had this much influence on a series, let alone a playoffs. So, I uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And on the other cool. side of the break, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk. Sorry, Matt, we got to go to break in just a sec. Oh, we cool. uh, I'm going to tell you why Steph Curry made uh, NBA history in a really bad way, and what Kevin Love should be doing in a Cavaliers jersey for the rest of the series. And I guess I know it has to do with Tyronn Lu or, or LeBron James, whoever's coaching that team now. It looks like Tyrone Lu has put his stamp on this team now. It looks like LeBron is kind of just complimenting with an E, complimenting Tyronn Lu, not complimenting like, hey, you have nice hair, and not right. trying to take over everything unless it's on the court because that's where he's the floor general. Alex Lanty in studio, Matt Fish in beautiful Iowa that's getting hot and sticky at this point, but he is on his family farm, so can you really be upset? Rebound Radio, Voice America Radio, we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to Matt Fish at reboundradio.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. To Alex Clancy in studio, Matt Fish on the line, Rebound Radio Uh, Follow Matt at Rebound Talk on Twitter if you want to hear about all things Rebound Magazine and the NBRPA. Follow me at Clancy's Corner if you want to hear my rambling about my uh, theories behind sports and my mumbo-jumbo. We're talking NBA Finals, obviously. Cleveland won 20-90 over Golden State last night at home. Golden State has a two-game lead. Game four four is tomorrow night at 6 o'clock in Cleveland. We're talking about Golden State, what Steph Curry has to do, or what Golden State has to do to get Steph Curry uh, involved, period. He hasn't really been involved all series. Uh, The fun stat that I have having to do with Steph Curry and the NBA Finals and people that have averaged 30 points a game in the regular season. This is from the Elias Sports Bureau. Steph Curry's 48 points through three games in the NBA Finals is the lowest in NBA history by a player who scored 30 plus points per game in the regular season, wow. the second lowest is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with 81 through wow. three games. So that's 23 points a game ballpark, right? If my math serves me correctly, no, 26 points a game, something like that. Yeah. 26. Um, yeah, I mean this isn't this isn't uh, this, it's not good, you know. <laughs> but but for Steph Steph Curry's sake, you know, in his corner. We thought Cleveland was dead to the, dead to rights uh, before game yesterday. Before game three yesterday, so who knows? Right, right, it takes it takes him right. one quarter. It'll take him w- two twenty point quarters and them to win the finals for him to win Finals MVP because nobody wants to win it right now. Clay's not going to get it. Draymond could get it. Igadala could get it again. Steph's not going to get it. So it's uh, it- it'll be interesting. It- it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I- that's way. Uh, Way down the road, we have a lot more basketball to play. Uh, not really, which is really sad. We have just a draft to look forward to after this. Yeah. And the Summer Olympics, which, which will be fun to watch yep, the U.S. blow people out, uh, hopefully. If they can get a team together with the Zika virus down there. Uh, yeah. Steph Curry yeah. and, uh, and uh, oh man, who is it? LaMarcus Aldridge both pulled out to quote-unquote yep. um, uh, injury reasons, uh, re- rehabilitation reasons. But I wouldn't want to go down there and get Zika virus. So, uh, that's just me. That's that's, a conversation for a different show. Now, let's move to to, uh, Kevin Love. Kevin Love sat last night. Um, Cavaliers won by 30. Obviously, he's a defensive liability. He hasn't been performing on the offensive side of the ball, which isn't his fault. He was brought into a situation where he was not going to be able to succeed. And you didn't see it on paper because all you saw was Kyrie, Kevin, and LeBron. But Kevin Love... The reason why he could shoot three-pointers in Minnesota was because he solidified his low post game first. So he could he could set up the pick-and-pop. Nobody expected him just to be hanging out in the corner and shooting standstill three-pointers and like, oh man, he's not a great shooter. He's not a great shooter. Yeah. Nobody expected him to be a great shooter when he came to Cleveland until everybody realized, oh crap. We have two guys that demand the ball all the time and they need the, lane, the lanes to be open so we can't have this 6'9 guy down low because he's undersized. You know, he's, he, he can't score down there without the ball. He's not a great offensive rebounder, which is crap. But they're like, you know what? Let's just separate him from everything and have him try to turn into, I, I always use the, uh, the example of J.J. Redick or somebody that just stands in the corner and shoots threes. That's not a slight on him. He's, he's definitely evolved his game for the years that he's been in the league. I digress.
2: I'm going to make a couple points, and one is we shouldn't be talking about the MVP of the NBA and what his team ought to do to get him going. If you're an MVP of the league, you should find a way to get yourself going. So I'm putting that on, you know, Curry's got to just step up, man. He's got to be and play like the MVP of the NBA. Now I'll go to Love. And I know what you're saying when you say he was the type of player that was a. About- then he'd pop out and set a pick, and then he'd, he'd pop out and hit a jumper or roll to the basket. And he, that's how he did put his game into play. And it is different now because, like you say, he does kind of just run around and spot up, and that isn't his game. So I think incorporating him with more post-ups or pick and rolls would be key. Instead of just having him run around until he's open, I don't think they're using him right. You know? And you say he's a defensive liability. He is in certain aspects especially if he can't get his offensive game going. He's kind of one of those that starts get disappearing and then gets smaller and smaller as the game goes by unless something big will happen in his favor. He has to make that something big happen. You know, He's got to take his ability, which are many, and figure out how was I so successful before I got to Cleveland. Go back to the basics. You know, and, and, so, and I don't like him as a run-around jump shooter. I like him as an all-around player. He reminds me of Guglietta. Hmm. Tom Gugliotta did a whole bunch of things really, really well, but nothing fantastic. And in a way, I feel like it's kind of Kevin Love. You need to just continue to do everything really, really good, but don't just key and think I'm the spot up shooter. But run in there and get your rebounds. Put a hand up on defense. Run the floor hard. Set hard pick and rolls, and play back to the basket when you're asked to do so.
1: Yeah, I agree. Tom Gugliotta is a great uh, a great example. He is. He was a little taller than uh than uh, Kevin Love, but I remember as a Laker fan, him killing us when he was with Minnesota. Like Googs would, he, he wouldn't do anything special, but he would kill you. And, that's, yeah. and, and uh, Kevin Love doesn't have that in him yet. It took Googly a while to get that killer instinct, the ability to hit the big shot, the ability to want the big shot, with all of the other stars that were on his team at the time. But with Kevin Love, the one downside that I've seen in this series, let's take away the whole regular season and all the playoff games up to this point. First of all, he's never played in a finals before. And it's not really an excuse, it's just a fact. Um, yeah. What Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut did to him when, when he did get the ball down low, Kevin Love did in game two, they, they manhandled him. And it was interesting because Kevin Love played like a 15-year-old kid who was 6'5", or 6'7", everybody else was 6'2". Or no no whatever fifteen year olds however tall fifteen year olds are so whatever six one everybody else was five seven he he would get the ball on the left block and try the little reverse with a seven three guy and a great defender on his back it seemed like he was he was playing so scared that he just went to animal instincts and they weren't working he had all these different moves he had he had little back down fade uh, baseline fadeaways he had little he had little drop steps into into the middle of the paint that we used to see all the time in Minnesota, and we haven't seen a low post game from him. Maybe because he's scared, maybe because he's rusty, because he hasn't played down low all year. I don't know. But he's underperforming, and now is not the time to make any excuses for your underperformance. And that's what we've seen with him. I mean, every second he's been on the court in Game 1 and Game 2, up until he got the elbow to the back of the dome uh, by Harrison Barnes in Game 2, what I think he should do, and I will ask you what you think needs to happen, what I think needs to happen in Game 4, and people have said this, and, and, and I, I have to agree, he's got to come off the bench. You've got to take the pulse of the arena, of your team, of everything, as an extension of Game 3 in the start of Game 4. You don't want to mess up anything that was going on in Game 3. And yes, he's one of your stars. Yes, he's your second highest paid player. It doesn't matter. And you could see after the game in the locker room or in the hallway or the runway going back to the locker room, he was jumping around like a six-year-old, so excited for his teammates because they blew out the best team on the planet. So I don't know if it'll necessarily be a big deal for him. Hell, it could be a relief for him to come off the bench. Who, Who knows? But I think it's time that you take a chance if you're Cleveland, and the chance, believe it or not, is not starting Kevin Love.
2: And and it's it's interesting you say that. I I just think Kevin Love's a really, really good, solid, well-rounded player. But then you t- take a look at the scenario, and, and here they are at home, and here they are getting out ahead early, and a big lead. And it's a lot to come back from a lead. I don't care what. It takes a lot out of you. So when you say take him off the bench, He's going to come in and let's see if we get that 10 15 20 point lead early on. if not, I wonder how quick you pull the trigger on getting him off the bench assuming he's ready to play tomorrow tomorrow right yeah, yeah, tomorrow right as soon as he's ready to play by tomorrow again you know i I almost think you're saying the right thing with that kind of blowout you almost have to take a step back and say, hey. You know, let's let's just do it how we did this last game that we won. And, and, and if it's not working the way it should, well, then maybe you bring Kevin in. And maybe you have him on a short leash. Maybe he goes out there and just starts playing like we were talking about. Like, we're not really happy with the way he just runs around spots up and doesn't play great defense, at least kind of as of late. You know, and, and as soon as you see any part of that at all, get him out.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm just worried about that because... Uh, the Cleveland starting lineup played a lot of minutes last night. Everybody played over. Tristan Thompson played the least with 31, which is fine. Mm-hmm. The bench only got them 15 points, and they scored 120. Worries me. Uh, Golden State, uh, they put up 35, I believe, from, the, uh, from their bench. So uh, and I understand a lot of it was, was later on, and it was, it was due to the blowout and everything. But still, you need some sort of performance from your bench, especially at home. Mon Shumpert, one for five. He was supposed to be a huge acquisition in, in the offseason. That's a big one that... Because he plays the most minutes out of anybody that comes off the bench. Channing Fry didn't even take a shot. Uh, with these guys playing this many minutes and never playing in the finals before, I'd take, take Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith away. Um, and R- Richard Jefferson has played a lot of... I think it was a whole, over 110 playoff games, but he was never really the focal point. J.R. Smith is the big one for me. And J.R. Smith... Plays well at home. He does. Especially in the playoffs. And you could see he had five threes last night. You didn't hear from him in game one or game two of this series. He's a starter that has always played sixth man number, uh, minutes. And he is the X factor in this series. And he needs to have another game like this, which will alleviate some stress from LeBron and Kyrie because... They will have to, the defenders will have to focus on or keep a peripheral eye on J.R. Smith because if he starts jacking threes, you're going to lose. If he starts hitting threes, you're going to lose, especially on the road where he, I mean, he looked like a a different player last night. I don't understand why the road makes such a difference, especially for somebody that's been in the league for as long as he has. But I think that if J.R. Smith comes out and plays well, they don't have to focus on Kevin Love as much. And it, they need a big three somewhere, and last night their, big, their third guy was half Tristan Thompson, half J.R. Smith. Because there aren't really role players if they're in your starting lineup and they play starter minutes. You know, it's not like Golden State where it's power in numbers or strength in numbers, whatever stupid T-shirts they're wearing, because they played 12 or 14 deep. You can't trust the 8, 9, 10, 11th man coming off the bench on the road. You just can't do it. So I think Jared Smith, I think it's time for him to take up one more step on the rung and become a focal point on the offensive side of the ball. He played great defense last night, too. In your opinion,
2: in the last first two games compared to the third game, did the referees let him play more in the third game? And I think a physical game is better for Cleveland than Golden State. So I question, you know, you're talking about Jared Smith. He's a tough dude. He's going to run around and hit somebody. He, he's, he's kind of a, a thug out there a little bit. I kind of like it, though. You know what I mean? He, he certainly goes out, and, and, and if he brings his capabilities to the game, he can certainly be that person that turns you know turns this whole tide around to where all of a sudden Golden State's going to be on their heels. They're not there yet. But, man, last night they took a shot right in the chin and staggered him a bit and made everyone kind of raise one eyebrow. But I'm telling you this much, if they let him play physical, it's going to hurt Golden State again, and I don't see any reason why they're not going to let them play as physical as they did last night, tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting ridiculous at this point because it, that wasn't a physical game. It was more physical, but it was late 90s physical. That's what it was. It was in the 80s. It was in the 70s. Like Golden State, Clay Thompson comes out and said the Timothy Mozgov uh, uh, pick was a dirty play. We'll talk about that in the third segment because that pissed mm-hmm. me off. Come on, bro. I'm sorry there's no halo around you, like, because you guys are the chosen two that are going to lead the team to prominence. You, you get bumped around a little bit. You had a, you had a thigh contusion. Relax. Okay? <laughs> LeBron James doesn't get hurt. So obviously there's some little difference here between what you think is a dirty play and what really happens in the trenches, because you're not really in the trenches that often. Yes, it was an offensive foul. It was Kyrie, it was Kyrie Irving's fault. I think, those, uh, I think those fouls need to go on the point guard, the person that's dribbling, and not the person that's setting the pick. That's just me. We'll talk about that in the third segment. I think that it will stay, at least in Cleveland, it will stay this physical. But Jared Smith, going back to Jared Smith real fast, he has grown up so much over the last few years. I think he was very humbled in New York, especially when Carmelo went out for the majority of the season and he came in and started and played awfully because he is a bench player. He is a quote-unquote role player. He's never going to lead a team to the playoffs by himself. You know, he's not that kind of guy. But he has grown up so much. He's kept his mouth shut. And yes, his past comes back a little bit. It kind of casts a kind of a gray cloud on him. But now he's a model citizen. He doesn't get in trouble anymore. He keeps his mouth shut. You know, it's a beautiful thing to watch him grow, and now reaping the benefits at least for one game in a series where he's not, you know, one for three or two for six, where he's irrelevant. He played really well last night, and I think that this will continue. It's an interesting thing what you say about the physicality because it is in Cleveland, and I'm sure all of the Golden State fans in my opinion, you're like, oh, well, now the NBA gets what they want. They get a series. Little fouls here and there aren't going to cause a 30-point loss. Little fouls here and there aren't going to cause your asses to get handed to you on a silver platter with glitter on it. It's not going to... They are tra- tangentially cor- uh, uh, correlated, but they're not directly correlated. You got a beat last night. I'm sorry that, you know, they put their hands on you a little too much. Oh, man. Can you please yeah. leave this little hi- Can I stay in my bubble, please? Give me a break. You're 67210. Play basketball. I'm yeah, not happy I with that. Time. I'm s- especially, I, I like,
2: yeah, you've got to be able to take it in the chin and, and, and bounce back. That's what it's all about. And, and to me, to, to the, the, the dirty play, come on, you know, I'm not for it either. You, you, you got to power through things like that. And to, and to, like you say, and, and act and and you're right to whine about it. There's no point in whining about it. You better just step up and play. We're in the finals of the NBA. This where men play ball. Separate the men to the boys. This is it. And and again, I feel there's a little bit of a so not a lot of flops going on, you know, and, and I don't want to see any flops. I want to see them power through a physical game, and a game tomorrow, if it's physical, I believe Cleveland's going to go ahead and take it at home. And I don't think they're going to take it by 10. They're going to take it by 30 again.
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> obviously it's a must-win. I hate that phrase. But yeah. with <laughs> they got to win by 20 mm. to keep this momentum going. I think you're right. This can't be a grind it out, you know, a win by five, or have it be a really high-scoring game, and have both teams, you know, be hot, like 110-107. It's got to be ugly because they have to carry the momentum back to Golden State. They have to. This is not something where, you know, you get lucky or or Steph drops 40 and they still lose. They have to stick to the game plan of game three. I know that Kyrie's not going to shoot seven for nine in the first quarter. I know all these things aren't going to happen. Again, I don't think. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. Matt Fish on the phone, Alex Clancy, in studio. This is Rebound Radio.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Perfect Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone,
1: BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at one 346 9144 That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to Fish at reboundradio.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. Final segment. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. No, Matt Fish is not in the studio. Matt Fish is in. No. Are, you, are, you on your, are you on your family uh, farm again?
2: You know, I've been down there pretty much the whole time. Most recently, my wife flew into uh, Rockford and drove over from Rockford to the Quad Cities because she's running in a Chicago Ragnar, a 202-mile race. It's a relay race. I mean, she runs three different legs of it, which is over 20 miles. But I tell you what, I, they can't even get me out there to drive the van. That's crazy. Yeah. That's what we're, I'm back here in the Quad Cities right now, so Davenport, Iowa. I played for the Quad City Thunder of the CBA, and then obviously Oklahoma City took the name Thunder. But back in 1994, uh, I, we were the CBA champions right here in the Quad Cities. So that's where I'm at now, Davenport, Iowa. Uh, Bettendorf, Iowa, along the Mississippi. So on the other side would be Moline, Illinois, and Rock Island, Illinois. So that's the four cities that make up the Quad Cities along the Mississippi. So I'm over here in a dirty little river town. I loving every minute of it.
1: That's awesome. Man, 200, 202 miles. What is it? Ugh. That sounds yeah, awesome. They're running
2: from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, all the way to Chicago. And they run over to the lake, and then they run south on the lake from Milwaukee and they got the whole thing figured out, and I figured this much out, um, I'm not going to be there. So good luck, um, and I'll pick you up at the end of the race.
1: <laughs> That's it. I'll be drinking a Mai Tai, honey. <laughs> I'll have one for the both of us. Anyways, uh, back, back to uh, what are we talking about again? Uh, 2016 NBA Finals, Game 4 tomorrow night. Oh, we've, we've covered a lot today. Steph Curry, uh, one of the worst or the worst three-game uh, start in the finals of any for anybody ever that's uh, averaged 30-plus points in the regular season. Klay Thompson's a baby. And uh, Kevin Love could be relevantly irrelevant for the rest of the series if things go the way they did in Game 3. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I think that uh, they're going to keep a watchful eye. And... The reason why I think that he should come off the bench, we'll just finish this up and then start talking about Clay, is you can't go down 10 or 12 points if you're Cleveland. Ever. Ever. You can't do it. You can't afford to do it because you don't have the, uh, the potency on the offensive side of the ball to come back. I mean, you, 10 or 12 is different, but 12 begats, 20 begats, series over. So they need to hedge their bet early, keep it ugly, keep it early, keep it ugly early in the first quarter tomorrow, and just survive whatever potential run Golden State has in them, because it's brewing right now. They're going to be jacked up coming in first quarter of, of, of uh, Game 4 tomorrow night. They will be. I'm sure they'll hit a few shots early. It's going to be, oh boy, here we go again. They have to stop that and smack it in the mouth and be like, hey, you're on the road, we're going to win this game. And I don't think that they can do that with Kevin Love on the floor early. Especially if you, if you, can't, be, you can't have a liability on the court early. And I think that's why they need to bring him off the bench, give the same starting lineup, and just run, run, run. And uh, LeBron will be more of a focal point early in the offense. He was 4-for-4 in the first quarter. I think he he started 1-for-8 in the second quarter. He couldn't make anything, but then he realized that he had a mid-range jumper that he started uh, implementing again, which kind of spread everything out, which made it easier for everybody. So what I think they need to do is have Kevin Love come off the bench.
2: But I, I, I think they're going to do that. I, I mean, I just don't think we're the only ones thinking that. I think when they took a look at that big old win that they had, and, and maybe we, we're, we're, we're gelling one way, and, and if we if we can't get it going, on, then you bring him off the bench, and, and then you play him to see how he gels. And if he's not doing it, I think it's a short leash. You take him right back out. I find it interesting when we talk about the – You have some players that are so smooth uh, almost all the time running up and down the court. And I'll say, like, Clay is super smooth, and we all know Curry's super smooth, and he could tell you. He's another one. Oh, Iggy, if he's not one of the smoothest players out there. But when he gets banged around and they get real physical with him, they're a lot less smooth. They're more herky-jerky looking than they are in a normal regular season game. And I saw some of that happen where some of these super smooth players aren't just quite as smooth as they usually are. And that comes down to the physical play and the defense that Cleveland just strapped down last night. And I feel it's going to do again tomorrow.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, it, I, I mean, I, I didn't think I was, so here's the thing. This is overreaction Thursday. You know, there's the, the four-letter network has overreaction Monday. This is yeah. overreaction Thursday, and it was, yeah. you know, overreaction Monday morning after game two. Let's just see what happens. You know, I mean, this could be, that could be all of the, all of the gun, all of the bullets in the, bar- in the barrel that, uh, that Cleveland had in game three. You know, I think they, that
2: You and me both thought last week that Cleveland would come out and do what they did last night in Game One, yeah, and it didn't happen, right? You know, so so uh, you know, Game Two came right along, and then the same thing happened in Game One. So, you know, we finally saw the Cleveland we knew we'd have to see, and I truly think too that they that Cleveland cannot go down at all. They need to come out and just put that punch in the face and put them down eighteen right away, and then go from there and see what happens to the rest of the game, but. If they come out and it's even close at all, we've seen blowout after blowout. Apparently that's going to be the theme. So you better start blowing out or you're going to get blown out.
1: Oh, man. I mean, this is – we could talk in circles and circles about what potentially could happen. We've talked about what has happened. What would you like to see happen? Would you You like to see a blowout tomorrow night or would you like to see – do you want to see LeBron James drop 35-12-10? Like, what What would make you happy tomorrow? Because Cleveland wins, obviously, to make you happy. But what's one thing that you could see tomorrow that would make you happy?
2: You know, I, I would love to see a game that is, when we talked about it, might not happen, but is ground out. Just grind a game where it's back and forth, and you punch me, I punch you. Not just I punch you, and then you wilt. I want to see someone come back with force. And I want to see them battle like a, back, a boxing match where one, you know, good play after another, uh, begets a mini run to come back with a mini run to keep this game close because I'm tired of the blowouts. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you got to look at different things when they're blowouts. You know, you look at different scenarios instead of just two teams battling it out. And so for me, I, I can't wait to see a really tight game, one that might go down to the wire, you know, one that really takes a different feel than... Then I'm just going to take you and, and punch you in the face, and then we're all going to, you know, here we're up by 30 and we're just going to coast it out. I just feel that both teams need to find a way to overcome these big deficits. And tomorrow, to me, I think a win is a close game, but the win will be, even if Cleveland pulls it off, the win will be for Golden State because Cleveland has to blow them out. I think they have to blow them out. And if it's a close game, that doesn't bode well for Cleveland. So that's what I'm hoping for. You know, let me tell you why. I was drafted the Golden State Warriors. And for 10 or 15 <laughs> years, I could say, yeah, I was drafted as the Golden State Warriors. And they were like, oh, okay. But the last couple of years, I could say, yeah, well, where, where were you drafted? Golden State Warriors. Oh, my goodness. It's a big thing all of a sudden. You know, I drafted the Golden State Warriors. How fantastic. Well, I haven't changed anything, you know. <laughs> they have. So p- for personal gains, oh, I'd love to see Golden State do it. But my thought is Cleveland's going to get it in seven. I know you're thinking six. And I know, for me, a win will be a close game.
1: Yeah, I mean, me too. It just, it's just a basketball fan in me. I mean, I, like, I, every game this year is I like could have turned off, you know, starting the fourth quarter. So it, the finals is the last spectacle in basketball before the dog days of summer. I don't want to see blowout after blowout. I agree. I, even if Golden State wins in five, because either way, I don't care who wins. It'll be great for basketball either way. It'll make people hate Golden State more and question them even more or it, will, it won't question them even more you know, ridiculously but it'll be like, well this is a new wave of basketball. You don't get touched. There's no defense so anybody can win. And then Cleveland LeBron, I mean it's, it's a win-win for the media if LeBron wins or loses. It's a bigger win if he loses. It's a bigger deal if he loses because that'll be 2-6 and six, and that's not good. So, uh, it, but if he wins, it, I, I want him to win because I want people to shut up. <laughs> you know, I really do. I, yeah. he's, he gets overlooked. So the things that he does, we are so just numb to now because he's been doing them for so long that we don't understand the greatness. We, we don't appreciate the greatness, I should say. You know, and last night he showed, he's like, okay, hey guys, I'm not dead yet. You know, I can still play ball. I can still put up a 30-burger when I want to. So, hopefully, we'll see that more tomorrow night. He went to the basket a lot. And I think we'll implement the offensive. What I want to see, because you didn't ask me, thank you. What I want to (laughs) see is his low post game tomorrow. I want to see... LeBron? Yeah. LeBron? I want to see, because he's such a gifted passer, he can pass from anywhere. It doesn't have to be from the perimeter or him dribble-driving. I think the two-man game of Kyrie Irving and LeBron James or J.R. Smith and LeBron James, because they're both good perimeter shooters, Kyrie and J.R. Smith, you can see LeBron, the evolution of him. Because when he implemented the low post game when he was in Miami, it changed everything. And he's gone away from it because, you know, it's a perimeter game now. It's three-pointers. It's all this stuff. Give him the ball down on the block. Make Draymond Green shut him down. Make, it, make him shut him down. He's got a great fadeaway. He's got a great little baby hook in the paint. And if you get the second, the, you know, secondary defender, then you're in LeBron's palm because he can pass the ball to anybody. And you have great shooters. You have great slashers. Everybody on that team can finish from anywhere. So it, it, that, that's what I think needs to happen and what I want to see happen uh, tomorrow night with Cleveland.
2: Well, I think if that does happen, you certainly are going to see some double teams coming from Golden State. You can't just let him score at will. I also find it interesting when we say, let's post somebody down at the block. How many times do you really see any of these guys posted down at the block? Some of them post up like 17, 18 feet and then back themselves down or whatever else have you. That, to me, keeps the floor uh, a little more open for great passers, but a little less threat for an inside score. I find it interesting that when you back it down from 18 feet, it gives the opposing team a chance to double-team or gives them a little bit more time to double-team. You can then play cat and mouse. You can fake like you're going to go and double-team and then go back out. And I know that there's going to be some of that going on too. But if you truly post up on the block like he's capable of doing, on the block, down there where the darn block is, right there, you are a threat now that is right under the basket. You're a beast. You know, you, you can, your, your, your passing may be, unless it's a skip pass, your passing may diminish somewhat. Your cuts may diminish a little bit too. But then you truly have to send somebody to double team. There's no cat mouse play. You have to send somebody to double team, and that switches everything up with cutters, with spot up players, and everything. So I like what you're saying, and I have always agreed that posts up are big. Being a center myself, I love you know the post up idea, especially mm-hmm. early on. Um, but again, post them up all the way down the block, not 17 feet out, and there's too much of that going on now.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I I agree with you. And the last thing we have a couple minutes, so we got to go. Uh, cool. The rebounding that Cleveland has accomplished uh, in the first three games, they've out-rebounded Golden State uh, by about 28 rebounds, and especially last night, they punished them on the boards. And the closer you are to the basket means the closer that people are on your team to the basket to be able to crash the boards. Tristan Thompson had six offensive rebounds by himself in like a three-minute span last night. So with the ability of Tristan Thompson to get offensive rebounds, and J.R. Smith, is a, he's an average rebounder for a guard. And Kevin Love's obviously a great re- rebounder when he gets his minutes. Uh, you know, it, they need, and obviously LeBron James is a great rebounder, they need to get offensive rebounds. They cannot turn the ball over, and they have to force turnovers for Golden State. That's the trifecta. Obviously. Don't turn the ball over, force turnovers, and win the rebound yeah. game, and you win the game.
2: Well, I think the physicality, too, is key. If they let him be physical, there's no doubt they're going to rebound him by 20 again. So it's all going to be kind of where the referees are calling the game. And I thought, again, that they were let him be a little more physical last night than the first two games because you're going to have Klay Thompson who wilts a little bit when he gets hit hard. And if you start getting really physical, you know, Curry's the same way. He, He might just kind of, you know, he gets hit hard. He might just kind of take a step back, too. But LeBron will power right through you. And so if they let him play like they did last night, tomorrow night, I think you're going to see him out-rebound them, and I do think that's key, too. I, I think you're going to see him, and I don't want to see a blowout, but I, I sadly say another blowout because that's just what the themes have
1: been. Yeah, it's not fun. Well, I mean, it is fun because you never know what the hell is going to happen. True. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not like every uh, series is close. So we've got to get out of here. Matt Fish, sure. enjoy the rest of your time in Iowa. I will enjoy the rest of my time in the oven that is now the Phoenix desert. (laughs) Matt Fish on the line at Rebound Talk on Twitter. NBRPA, like the Facebook page for NBA Legends and for Rebound Magazine. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. We will see you guys next week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.